0: Let me encourage you to go to Jonah 3, please. We're continuing our study in uh, the book of Jonah. Um, This is message number three of four that we've planned as we've gone through this this book here. So I'm going to read Jonah 3, 1 through 10, and then uh, I'll pause for a second, ask God's blessing and uh, enablement as we talk about this text, and then uh, we'll begin. Jonah 3, verse 1. Uh, You remember what's happened here. Jonah has uh, rebelled against God. God told him to go to Nineveh. He said no. Went the opposite way. Tried to get to Tarsus, uh, which we think is in the southern part of Spain. A very long way away. He tried to go from there. Storm came up at sea. uh, After an interesting interchange with the sailors, Uh, Jonah's cast into the sea. And the fish swallows him. He spends three days, three nights in there. We talked about that, the historicity of that, of why if God can do other miraculous things, he could do this. And uh, verse 10 of chapter 2 says that after Jonah prayed and... uh, God uh, spoke to the fish, and that's a theme that you, you see throughout the book of Jonah is how God appointed things, and he spoke to things, and he's orchestrating events all throughout this book. Interesting study to do is you see how many times God appointed something or spoke to something. And he caused something. We've seen several along the way. Here, he speaks to the fish. The fish spits him up onto the dry land, and this is where we pick up the narrative. Chapter 3, verse 1. God relented of the disaster that he said he would do to them, and he did not do it. Let's pray. Father, I want to pause now and just ask for your enablement. Uh, whenever we open your word, and want to speak about it. Uh, we take that very seriously. We want to make sure that we are uh, being accurate to what is being said here. We're not projecting anything into this. And so we pray for your spirit to guide us and lead us in this. And uh, I pray that whatever I say in these next few minutes would be uh, accurate, as I just said. It would be clear. It would be helpful. Um, and that can only happen through your spirit. And so, Father, we pray that we would have listening ears and hearts as, as we're considering this text that is before us. Uh, every one of us, myself first and foremost, but every one of us gathered here in the room and are watching uh, through technology, we need to know Um, what you want from us. And we need to know how we should live our lives in a way that is pleasing to you. Thank you for your word that helps us with that. And may your spirit now apply your word to our hearts and may we glorify you in the process. For it's in Christ's name we do pray, amen. You know, sometimes when you get a change of perspective, it helps determine whether or not you enjoy doing That activity or responsibility. Um, I've mentioned before that uh, I have uh, a brother that is nine years younger than myself, and uh, I remember when he was born, and I know I've told you this before, that uh, my mom wanted to teach my older brother and myself how to change diapers and how to care for uh, babies and things. And so I remember feeding my younger brother. I remember changing him and, and all that. And, and that was good practice for when we had children. But I got to tell you that uh, when I was nine years old and 10 years old, you know, changing a dirty diaper uh, or cleaning up a face after feeding them uh, a child wasn't the most enjoyable job for me. It was something I didn't like and didn't want to do necessarily. Fast forward, I have my own children now. Now, I'm not going to say that changing dirty diapers became my most favorite sport, Okay. But I am going to say there was a difference there. And I remember there would be times where uh, even with my kids, I'd be cleaning them up or washing their feet after them playing outside or something like that. I remember at one particular point, I remember just stopping and thanking the Lord now, the reason why I did that was because, as you know, I mean, for us, this was, you know, having children was a, was a long journey uh, for us, so we, we prayed and prayed for many years about that, and the Lord graciously provided some children to us. And so, for, for me personally, I remember that there was that, that moment uh, when I was changing a diaper or I was washing feet or something like that. I remember thinking, thank you, God, that I can do this now to my child, Now, the job was still the same, um, but the perspective was different. And so I think that this is what's happening in Jonah. Now, one of the things that is confusing about the book of Jonah is we don't know the level of repentance that he has showed. And furthermore, we're not even exactly sure the level of repentance that the Ninevites showed. I mean, we're gonna talk a little bit about this in a minute, but it seems in the beginning, at least that they're very sincere in their repentance. It seems that Jonah in the belly of the fish is very sincere. But we know in chapter four that he's gonna, a flip-flop on that, and he's going to go back, and that's going to talk about next week, and the message is entitled, Hating Mercy, right? Okay, so we kind of know where he's going with this, but here we're not exactly sure where Jonah is at, but I see him as someone who is a person in process, and someone who is, who is back and forth, and remember last week we used the word fickle, right? And so here, I think that this is what we're seeing here, that Jonah is receiving mercy, and God is dispensing mercy again in this text. That's kind of the theme of the book. So if I was going to put this in a, in a summary sentence for us to remember uh, something for today, this is what the sentence I would put, is that it is only by God's deep mercy that we can serve him, okay? It is only by God's deep mercy that we can serve him. So this is what we're going to unpack, this thought, as we go throughout our sermon today. First of all, ministry is a gift of mercy. And we see this in Jonah here. Jonah's ministry redeployment was a gift of mercy, was it not? Was it not a mercy of God to let Jonah continue to serve Him? Was it not a mercy gift from the Lord to put him back into the ministry work that He had called him to do? After Jonah had had ran away, after he had had a, a shown a rebellious heart towards God, God still wants to use him in His. Ministry. It would have been much easier for God to go in a different direction than Jonah, right? It would have been much easier for God to say, okay, you know what, I'm going to find someone that is much more willing to go and do this. Or better yet, I'm going to use someone from Nineveh themselves. And so I'm going to, I'm going to change their heart and we're going to use this person. To have to bring about revival in the city of Nineveh, that would have been much easier for Jonah, or for, excuse me, for God to do, but that 's not what he did. And I think some of the reason for that is because the main purpose of this book is not necessarily the work of mercy that God does in Nineveh. The main point in this book is the work of mercy that God is doing in Jonah. And we see this unpacked throughout this book here. It would have been easier for God to give up on the relationship with Jonah. It would have been much easier for him to say, you know, this is not something that is going to work. And so you know, I've given you a chance. I've given you this opportunity. But no, he went through the whole ordeal of bringing a storm. He went through the whole ordeal of bringing a fish and appointing a fish and, and doing this work in Jonah's life so that he would be part of this ministry work. What do we learn from this? We learn that God is patient. We learn that God is, is long-suffering. We learn that God has a a much deeper purpose than what we often see right in the beginning or on the surface. Um, Some of you will remember uh, Michael. uh, He's the the friend of the uh, Penley's who uh, has been struggling with various uh, uh, sicknesses and things for many years. Uh, Don was able to lead him to the Lord a few years ago. And uh, you'll remember that he has been someone who the Penleys have been caring for in a lot of ways. He's, he's not, uh, he's, he's in uh, a city about an hour away from here, and uh, he is on the, the last, last leg of his journey. Uh, any moment, he could go and be with his Savior. Last Sunday afternoon, I went and I visited him and uh, had an opportunity to talk with him for a few minutes. He's very weak. Uh, like I say, any moment. His, his time on this earth can be done. And I asked him, someone who is an older gentleman, but who has been saved for just a, a couple of years now, I asked him, I said, and, and this man has struggled with many, many afflictions in his life. And I said to him, I said, Michael, I said, what, what is the thing about God that has been most encouraging or most amazing to you? What about God have you learned in these last couple of years that has been most amazing to you? And you know what he said to me? In a very weak voice, and a strain to hear him, he said, the patience of God. He says, God has been very patient with me. I thought, I I don't know that I could come up with a better answer than that. And it's true. God is extraordinarily patient. And the more we recognize our sinfulness, the more we recognize our state, the more we recognize our hearts, the more we recognize just how patient God really is. And the fact that it's not just that God is putting up with Jonah. The fact that it's not just that he's saying, okay, fine. You know, this is, this is someone who's he's redeploying into ministry. What a mercy gift from the Lord. And so here we have this gift from the Lord where he says, okay, now arise a second time. I want you to go to Nineveh, a great city. God is just displaying his mercy on Jonah right here. It would have been much easier for him to write him off. It would have been much easier for him to go in a different direction. But now he says, I'm going to redeploy you into ministry. Ministry is a gift of mercy. But it's not just for Jonah. And it's not just for me. A lot of times when we think of, okay, someone who's called to the ministry, that's like a prophet, or that's like a pastor, right? Or a missionary, or someone who that's their vocation, that's what they do. And they're called into the ministry. We use that language. But the reality is, is that it's not just me who has a ministry. And it's not just Jonah or another prophet who has a ministry. Who the people who have a ministry is any person who is a Christian. Every Christian is called to ministry. And so, therefore, your ministry, your calling in life is a gift of mercy. You are experiencing a gift of mercy just like Jonah experienced. And the fact that God has said, I want to deploy you. I want to put you into my work. I want you to serve me while you are on this earth. That is a mercy gift that we are able to serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It's a mercy gift. But we often don't see it that way. Much like when I saw changing my younger brother's diapers, I didn't see that as anything good. But yet when I see, when I'm able to care for my child, I see the relationship is different and I'm more mature at that point. I understand what it represents. And then I can see this 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 is a blessing that I can care for someone like this. So every Christian is called into ministry. The great commission is probably the most obvious passage that would remind us that of go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We see that in Mark 16, we see that in Matthew chapter 28. I think even the designation of bondservant, and you'll see that all throughout the New Testament, the the word underneath that is doulos, which is this idea of slave, that this is the word of choice of whose we are, that we are bondservants of Jesus Christ. We see this in Romans, we see this all throughout the New Testament, that this is our, our calling, that we are to serve God, every one of us. If you have a Bible, go go to 2 Corinthians real quickly here. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I just want to drive this point home if I can. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. If you have your copy of scriptures available or easily accessible. I'm actually going to start in chapter 3. So so 2 Corinthians 3. In verse... Actually... I'm going to go into chapter 2. You're saying, boy, this sermon's getting longer and longer. Okay. All right. All right. So at the end of chapter 2, we see this in verse 17. as the 2 Corinthians 2, 17. For we are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but men of sincerity as commissioned by God in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. Okay. So what Paul is doing here, he's saying, listen, we're not trying to use the gospel, the words of Christ as a means for dishonest gain. We are being sincere in and so what he does, and that's setting it up now into chapter 3, he talks about the ministry that he has and that we all have here. In verse uh, one of chapter three, he says, uh, he starts talking about about uh, needing a letter of commendation or recommendation. He says, "We don't need that, like these other peddlers of God's word do. You, the people, are our letters of condemnation, or, or not condemnation, commendation. But those are two different words. There, okay. Verse, uh, chapter four or chapter three, verse four says, "Such is the confidence that we have through Christ towards God." Verse five: "Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency." is from God who made us competent to be ministers of a new covenant not of the letter but of the spirit for the letter kills but the spirit gives life. So he says "See, so here's what's happening. We're not like these people who are peddling God's word. Our sincere calling is to be ministers of a new covenant. Minister means servant there. The idea is that we are, this is our ministry that we are to be of this new covenant. He talks about it calls, now in verse 7. Now if the ministry of death is carved in letters He's talking about the law before that. And he says, it came with such glory if this ministry of death carved in letters of stone came with such glory that the Israelites could not look or gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end. Will not the ministry of the spirit have even more glory? So he's saying the ministry before of the law that condemned people, that showed how that we were falling short, the ministry, that's why he called it the ministry of death, it condemned us. He says, if that brought so much glory that when Moses came down from receiving that, that people couldn't even look at his face because his face was shining so much. He says, how much more glory, how much more glorious and great is the ministry of life, the ministry through spirit, this new covenant that he has called you and me to? He says, this ministry that you and I have is far more glorious than what Moses received. And so the ministry that you're living today, the ministry that God has given to you today is so much more glorious than what Moses received that's the reality and that's the truth of what God has called you to do and so the fact that he's asked us to serve him in this glorious ministry is a mercy gift now how do I know that? I could continue talking more about this but look at chapter 4 verse 1 of 2 Corinthians therefore having this ministry how? by the mercy of God we do not lose heart. He says the ministry, the, mer- the ministry that God has called me to, the ministry that God has called you to, it is by the mercy of God. And so Jonah, we're back in Jonah here, his ministry was a mercy gift from the Lord. And your ministry is a mercy gift from the Lord. What is your ministry? Maybe the better A better way to ask that question is who is your ministry? Who, who are you to be serving right now? Who are you to be pointing to Christ? Who has God placed in your life? And what ways has God equipped you? What talents and skills has God equipped you to serve him in a, in a way that other people may not have or in a way that other people may not have the opportunity to? The reality is, is that you come in contact with people that very few other, if any other Christians come in contact with. Guess who your ministry is, Right? And that is a mercy gift. It is a mercy from the Lord that we can be employed and redeployed, as in Jonah's case, into the ministry of God. But the problem is we don't always see it that way. We see it as a burden. We see it as an obligation. We see it as something we have to do or we have to put up with. And we don't see it as a mercy of God. But if we see it for what it truly is, it will change the motivation. It will change whether or not we're having joy in this. Let me tell you, this is something, this is a truth that I have to remind myself of all the time. I mean, just this last week, Anouk and I had several conversations of, of where I was going through some discouragement, going through some times when she was preaching truth to me and things like that. I mean, if, if anyone thinks that there's a good preacher in a scotthold, it's not me, it's my wife, okay? Just, just going to put that out there, okay? So she's preaching truth to me, and she's, she's encouraging me in the Lord, and it's and, and some of these truths right here that we discussed about, okay, whatever God has called us to, it's not something that it should not have any joy it should bring us joy to serve in this way because it is a mercy gift of the Lord and when we see it that way it changes how we approach it so are we too quick to give up on people I mean God could have easily given up on Jonah but he says no 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 I have a ministry of mercy to show to this person and I'm going to give him mercy by redeploying them can we honestly say that we are treating people the way God has treated us? You see, the way God has t- treats Jonah here with his kindness and his patience and his long-suffering, it's a rebuke to me when I want to just give up on people or I want to just get irritated or frustrated and write them off. But that is not what God has called us to do, and it's a mercy gift to minister to people. You have been called to serve Christ. Christ. Every one of us has. This is not something that is only the pastor's job. This is not something that only the pastor has been called to ministry. Every one of us has been called to ministry. It's an expression of God's mercy towards us. Who deserves this privilege? And one of the things I'm hoping that comes from this pandemic, and I'm making a list, by the way, and some, at some point I'm going to share it with you, of all the blessings that I am praying for I'm seeing that are potentially going to come from or are coming from this pandemic. Uh, and one of them is that I'm praying that there's a shift away from the professionalization of ministry. Now, what do I mean by that? Do I mean that the vocational ministry is gone? No, because I think that there is always room for that. I think there's plenty of biblical texts that point to that. But that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that for many churches, particularly in our country, there has been a shift over the years of that ministry is done by those who get the paycheck, and so my job is to pay the salary, and then then they the, the people who we hire does the work of the ministry, and that's not how the New Testament has it set up. The New Testament has us set up that pastors are to equip people for the work of the ministry and that we all are going to be in the ministry. And so like my role, I see myself to, to switch metaphors a little bit here, is I see myself as what would be known as like a player coach, right? Someone who is coaching, but yet gets out there and plays as well. Okay, he's not the one that just coaches from the sidelines and then sends everyone out and doesn't do anything. No, 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 there's these player coaches that sometimes they'll coach and they'll get in the huddle, but then they're out there playing along with the rest of the team. That's how a pastor should be. But the problem is a lot of times is that it gets reversed where some people think that the, the professionals need to do the ministry because they're the ones with all the training and they're the ones that should be doing this. And so, so we're going we're gonna to let them do it. And the reality is that that's not what God has called us to. It's a ministry of mercy that God has asked us to serve him. And so I think that uh, I'm praying that a benefit of this pandemic is a shift away from the professionalization of ministry. There's another part about this that I'm hoping that comes from this, and that is a shift away from the loci of ministry or the locus, to make it singular, the location of ministry. And what I mean by that is that, you know, um, this place and this gathering is crucial to the Christian life, okay? I see it all throughout the New Testament. But the ministry that we are called to do is not confined to this building, In this gathering this is the encouraging time this is the fortifying time this is the building up time the location the loci of ministry is out there what God has called us to your neighbors and your neighborhood what are the things the benefits of of the pandemic that I have seen and this is anecdotal I I don't have any studies on this but my anecdotal understanding is that is that people are meeting their neighbors more and people are actually interacting with neighbors because people are out and they're walking more and they're, and they're spending more time. And, and I know we've been able to meet a few extra neighbors as well. And so my prayer is that we take this as a mercy gift from the Lord, that we can meet our neighbors and as people are out and because they're tired of, of being in their homes and there's not a whole lot of places to go. So they're just kind of in their neighborhoods. This is a beautiful opportunity for us to do what we should have been doing all along and that is ministering to our neighborhood right? So this is, could be what God has called us to. And if he is, you have to see it as a mercy gift that God is entrusting to us. So ministry is a gift of mercy for Jonah to be redeployed, for Jonah to be put back into the ministry was a mercy gift. Secondly, and there's only two points today, so don't worry. Secondly, ministry fruit is a gift of mercy. So any response or any fruit that you may get from our service or from our ministry is a gift of mercy. Because we're not guaranteed response. We're not guaranteed that everyone's going to respond. But anything that we do get is an act of mercy on God's part towards us. And none of us repentance can only be explained by God's mercy. If this is indeed true, if this is indeed a true repentance, and there is some debate about that. And, and I'll explain briefly here uh, one of the reasons why is because um, there isn't a... Um, a, the, the word used for God here is different than like what the sailors used uh they taught, they used the word Yahweh which is the covenantal uh word for God and and here they used in uh, the Ninevites used the word Elohim and that's just more of a generic term for God and so some people would say and people who I respect would say see this isn't a true repentance partly because of the they don't understand the covenantal relationship with God that's one reason another one is while they did turn away from their wickedness and things like that there's not uh Uh, an offering of sacrifice to the Lord, of showing their devotion to him, like what the sailors did. Uh, And so based on comparing the two, these people would, some people would conclude that their repentance here was merely social reform and opportunistic. I don't know that I would go that far. It's possible. I don't know. Um, I think my, my inclination is that when we see people turning from their evil way and we see God's response to this, I think at least at this moment there was some sincerity there. Uh, We know it doesn't last. That's another argument against it is that we know in just a few short years they're going to go back to their wicked ways and God's going to use them to bring judgment upon Israel. And then later on, Nineveh will be destroyed. But um, I don't know. All I know is by looking at this text here, I think there is at least the beginnings of sincere devotion to God. And so I'll leave it at that. And even that, can only be displayed or only be explained by God's mercy. So let me explain that. First of all, the timing of their repentance. Um, about the time of Jonah's mission, Assyria, and remember, Nineveh was part of the Assyrian empire, so um, and, and a main city, okay? So about this time of Jonah's mission, Assyria had experienced several famines, plagues, results, military opposition. They had poor leadership in place, and their armies were being spread so thin, particularly along the northern border, that they were intensely vulnerable. Everyone understood. This, particularly the kings and the leadership of Assyria, they knew this, and the leaders of Nineveh they knew that they were extraordinarily vulnerable. In addition to this, at the same time, we have record that there were earthquakes and even solar eclipses that were happening, and in that culture and in that time, that was understood as a a bad omen of terrible things to happen—a solar eclipse or earthquakes—that was uh, the gods being upset, and so all of this was taking place right at the time when Jonah gets called to go to Nineveh. God was preparing the way, right? And we see this, that he's preparing the way. And so they, were, they understood their weakness, and so that paved the way for mercy. You see, we will not want mercy. We will not receive mercy. We will not desire mercy unless we understand our weakness. And see, this is what Nineveh was at, where they were at, by God's design, by God's sovereign plan, is that they were ready for mercy. The timing of the repentance can only be explained by God's mercy. Mercy. Um if, if we were to go back, and I won't take time to go back there, but in Second Chronicles chapter 26, uh, there's a story of, of a man named Uzziah who was a king, and, and he was very young when he became a king, and he became very, very powerful, and, and God was with him beginning and blessed him, and, but over time, as you probably can tell, he turned his heart away from God. And then he was judged, and then his son ruled in his place for the remainder of his years because he had a skin, uh, Uzziah had a skin disorder. But why am I bringing Uzziah up? Here's what 2 Chronicles 26, 16 says. It says, but when he, Uzziah, was strong, he grew proud to his destruction. For he was unfaithful to the Lord his God, and entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. Did you notice in the beginning, when he was strong, he grew proud to his destruction. He became self-reliant. He became self-assured, and he went against God and, and he forgot about God's commands, and he did whatever he wanted to do, and that led to his destruction. You see, Nineveh, they were brought weak, and the mercy of God poured out upon him. And so if we're going to see people change, God is going to have to make them aware of weakness in order for them to receive mercy. And that doesn't always happen. Our job is to simply tell the truth. Our job is to convince. Our job is to plead and pray for. But our job is not to change hearts because we can't. Only God can do that in someone's life. And when that happens, that's a mercy gift of the Lord. And so our job, we don't keep serving God dependent upon whether or not people respond. We serve God whether or not people do. We see this in the New Testament that some people have some harvest, some will have others. Some people will have great people that will follow their ministries of mercy that they're trying to dispense. Other people won't. We see this. And the prophets, we see that some people, like Jonah here, he preached a sermon that was five words long in the Hebrew. Okay, five words, okay? He just preaches this sermon that's five words long, and great things happen because of God. I know some of you are thinking, Jeremy, try that out sometime. Try that out. See what happens. Um, But here's the point, is, is that God paved the way through their weakness, and that can only be explained by him showing mercy towards them. No doubt the Ninevites didn't think that the famines and the solar eclipses and the earthquakes and the poor leadership, they would never have categorized that in in the category of God's mercy, but yet we had the benefit of looking back and we can see that's exactly what it was. And so when we're trying to serve people and we're trying to minister to people, we need to understand that God may be doing things in their lives that is bringing them to that point, but we leave that up to God. Uh, Paul and his thorn in the flesh in 2 Corinthians 12 will be another example of this, of how God uses weakness for mercy. So Nineveh's repentance can only be explained by God's mercy and the timing of it, but also the extent. I told you this was only five words and yet it seems that the entire city listens. And and I don't know if Jonah is still wrestling with his hatred. I I think that there's remnants of this. I think he's a person in conflict during this time. And so there's probably part of him that doesn't want them to listen. And we know that to be because of chapter four, but yet he wants to obey God because of what happened in chapter two. And so he's this person in conflict conflict. And so he's like, I'm just going to do the bare minimum here. And so maybe he was thinking, okay, only 40 days, only 40 days, only 40 days. I just got to do this for 40 days. I don't know what he was thinking exactly, but I know he was a person in conflict. But I do know that it seems that the whole city here heeds his warning and their social reform and so they're not just words of sorrow. I mean, these are things that it says, it says uh, by the decree in verse 7, it goes on in verse 8, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. You see, because Nineveh was a terrible city. It was a city where people, the entire city, was given to violence. This was someone, we shared a little bit of some of the things they did before, but this was a city that was just extraordinarily violent. And yet the king says, we got to turn away from this that can only be explained by God's mercy. Only be explained by God's mercy. They were bearing fruits in keeping with repentance like what John the Baptist said in Matthew 3. So Nineveh, their repentance can only be explained by God's mercy. But your repentance and my repentance can also only be explained by God's mercy. There's, there's no other way to explain the fact that you and I, if you have turned to Christ, there's no other re- reason, there's no other rational way to explain this, that, that I turn to God and, and I follow God. There's, there's, I'm not smarter than other people. I, I, I'm not, I don't have great wisdom or great insight. I don't have any abilities or things like that that had led me towards this. No, in fact, my, my heart is set against God. We're, we're against God when we're born, we're enemies. And the fact that, that, that there was a time in my life where God did a work in my heart and that I changed and I asked God forgive forgiving my sins and I, and I recognized my need of a savior, that is not because I'm smart. That is not because I'm wise. It is because of God's abundant mercy. On me. The same is true for you. Don't, don't, don't think that it's well, it's because it makes sense, or it's because you did something good, or, or you, know, you went to God, and, and so God met you halfway. That is that's wrong. It's heresy. That's not what happened. God showed mercy, is what happened. 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul talks and he's telling us to be patient with people. He says, For maybe. God will grant them repentance. So God brings us to repentance. And so your, 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 your repentance can only be explained by God's mercy. And that ought to revolutionize the way we think about serving other people and the way we interact with other people and our patience towards other people and our long-suffering towards other people is because God's patience and long-suffering with me is his mercy and that he's given me faith and that is a mercy gift. And so who am I to withhold the same characteristics that God has shown towards me? Who am I to withhold that from other people? And think about it this way too. Your repentance is a gift of God, it's mercy as we said, but it's also, it is also the fruit of someone else's ministry. That God used someone else to preach the gospel to you, to tell you about the gospel, to encourage you in the Lord, to explain the scriptures to you, to give you a Bible, whatever it was. God used someone else to do that. And that fruit is a ministry mercy gift from the Lord and so we don't know what God's going to do with our efforts I can't promise you what God will do with your efforts in fact most of the times I feel like it's it's a waste of time if I'm going to be honest with you but I come back to a text like this and I'm rebuked and I'm reminded that no God has called me to a ministry and it is a mercy gift from the Lord and anything that happens is a gift of mercy from God And so I told you this is what I wanted to remind us of. It's only by God's deep mercy that we can serve Him. So serve Him. It's an expression of His mercy that He's asking you to serve Him. You don't deserve that. I don't deserve that. But go and serve Him this week. Tell people about Christ. Live out the gospel. Treat the people who are difficult to be patient with right now with patience and respect Because that is how God has shown his mercy towards you. He showed it towards Jonah, right? So your ministry is a mercy gift, and you all have a ministry. Think about what that ministry is. Any fruit that you see is a gift. Now let me give you some homework, and we'll pray. So here's what I'm going to encourage you to do this week. Uh, Think about who has ministered to you over the years, and then write some of them a thank you note to encourage them. It would be, just think about all the people that God has used to to shape you in your Christian walk if you're a believer in Christ and, and, uh, and, and, and think about how each one of those is a act of God's mercy, is a gift of God's mercy to you. And then it might be appropriate to thank them. Uh, maybe you have a, uh, a Sunday school teacher from when you were a kid or something like that. You just want to write a note and maybe it's your parents or someone to say, thank you for uh, your work in my life of being used of the Lord to... to uh, show mercy towards me. Uh, ask God to give you a heart that is quick to repent of sin. I, 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 I pray that we would, at least on the surface, be like what we see Nineveh is here of, of being quick to say, okay, then we need to change. Pray that God would foster that in our souls, in your soul, that, that we are quick to repent of the sin that is in our hearts. And then let me encourage you to identify three people that you should be ministering to right now. This could be family, this could be neighbors, friends, coworkers, whatever, but remember that it's a mercy gift to you to be able to minister to them. So three people, think about who should I be ministering to right now? Who should I show, be intentionally shown the love of Christ to? Who should I be praying for that they would follow Christ so that I can encourage them in their walk with Christ? This is what God has called us to do. And it's an act of mercy that he's asked you to do it. He could do this job so much better without us, right? But yet he wants the fellowship and he wants to include us uh, in his work, not because it needs us, because he knows that we will grow and that we will benefit from being in his service. It's an act of mercy let's pray. Father, I want to pray now and thank you for this opportunity to look at this text of scripture. I pray that we would see any ministry that we have been called to as an act of mercy, a gift of mercy from you. And any fruit that we have, whether small or great, is mercy from you. And I pray that we would rest in that and that we would be grateful for uh, you showing mercy to us. So thank you for Jonah. Thank you for this theme of mercy that we see. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen.